life. Let me make a little announcement about the offering. People around here are real eager to give, and, and I typically forget. And so your eagerness to give, my forgetfulness, collided this morning. And uh, we had a holy moment there, where as we were singing that song, people just got up and said, you know what, I'm, I can't hang on to this tither offering a moment longer. We need to just put this before the Lord, just start giving. But if you still need to be delivered from your offering this morning. <laughs> we don't want you leaving burdened. Hallelujah. We have a ministry here of relieving people from the burdens of their finances, so we will do all that we can to help you. Um, so if, you, if anyone still has an offering, a tithe offering that you needed to give, uh, if you could just lift it up, lift up your hand. Maybe, John, if you could accommodate and... I don't think John has the official offering receptacle. We have two Johns working the crowd this morning. John left and John right. So they're on top of it. Uh, the holy receptacles, the shiny gold ones, are already put back in their holy place, but these guys are authorized to use their hands. So feel free to drop them right into their hands. Praise God. All right. No, no, no. Don't give it to my wife. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Wow. We, are, we were born to praise God. We were literally designed by the Father and created for the glory of His praise or the praise of His glory. It works both ways. And um, everything about us works properly when we are living in alignment with that purpose to praise Him. And uh, everything about us gets uh, faulty and starts breaking down when we don't praise God. There is a difference between a life that's devoted to praising God, not just thinking about God, not just reading His Bible or, or uh, going to church, but actually praising God. Such a difference between people that live to praise God and people that don't. So... This series is called Born to Praise, and uh, part three this morning is called Arise, everyone say Arise, Arise. Shine. shine, Arise and Shine, and that's taken from Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2, <coughs> and Isaiah writes, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you. It's exciting to know that God's plan for us, we who praise Him, is for His glory to be seen upon us. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I, it just makes me want to get up and run around and shout. And I probably should do that. I'd probably pick up that new left leg if I did. Hallelujah. So, all right. Look, the, probably the most important rhetorical question throughout the ages is, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? What mother has not asked her children at some point, what is wrong with you? Um, adults say it to one another. Somebody makes a wrong move in front of you with their vehicle or something. What is wrong with you? We watch the news. 
What is wrong with people? Sometimes we look at ourselves and we think to ourselves after doing something dumb, what is wrong with you? And you start talking to yourself. Now, I just think that is the most important rhetorical as it might be, but it is the most important question in all of human history. What is wrong with you? Because something is wrong with humanity. And, uh, but the Bible not only tells us what it is, but more importantly, God's Word has furnished a tremendous answer to what is wrong. And instead of having to tinker around and get under the hood and... and how many of you are not mechanically inclined and hate paying those huge car bills? And remember the good old days when you could pull your own car up under a tree in the front yard, pop the hood, get under there, and fix it yourself. You didn't have to be a genius or go to automotive school. Most guys learned how to do it, girls too. Uh, a little more difficult today. But, um, you know, <clears throat> that question, what is wrong with you? I'll tell you, you don't have to get under the hood and deal with all that complex trouble. There is an answer that will lift you and I up and will solve that, that problem that's uh, focused on with the question, what is wrong with you? In Psalm 119, verse 25, David puts his finger on this issue when he says, My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. My soul, you can see, if you visualize it in your mind, David's soul can't get up out of the dust. In fact, my soul is clinging, cleaving, if you will, to the dust. My problem is that I need to be made alive. I need to be lifted up. So revive me according to your word. Now, when David refers to the dust and he says, my soul cleaves to the dust, what he's actually talking about is the physical world that is now cursed by sin, the physical ground, if you will, from which God made our bodies and formed our bodies. So David is really going back to the garden and, and the fact that the Bible says that we were formed from the dust of the earth. And he is referring to that when he says, my soul cleaves to the dust. Have you ever felt that way? That no matter how hard I try, I can't stop having my soul, my mind, my thoughts completely submerged in the physical dust of the world. Everything I think, everything I th see is, is worldly. I seem to just be uh, um, one with this dust out of which my body was formed. And in Genesis... Uh, God said when, when after Adam had disobeyed the Lord and man had fallen out of fellowship with God, and the Lord says, now as a result of this, dying you will die. And he says, as he puts them out of the garden or out of his presence, he says, now the ground. And when he speaks of the ground, he's speaking of the origin of your physical life. The ground or the physical world around you is cursed because of you. All your life, you will now struggle to scratch a living out of the dust or scratch a living out of the world. So God is not just speaking of the hardness of the physical ground in life, but he's talking metaphorically of how difficult life will be because now your soul is going to cleave to the dust 
and life is going to be difficult and you are going to struggle all the days of your life to try to find meaning, to try to get some traction, to try to rise up, to try to move forward or to know just one day of clarity and understanding and sense of purpose and, and connection that you forfeited and lost when you gave up your relationship with me for the lie that you, by knowledge, can be bigger than I've made you to be through praise. So sin has plunged mankind down into a hole of darkness, separated from God and blind to our origin and our purpose. So thus we are born prisoners, if you will, of our bodies, knowing only our physical experience in life, blind to what God's purpose for us is, and blind to the purpose of our existence and who we are. And that really explains what is wrong with you. Well, what's wrong with me is that I don't know what I am. I don't know what the purpose for my creation is. I'm shut down. I'm clinging to the dust. Everything I see is the dust. Everything I speak about comes from the dust. All my answers come from the dust. And in the dust of the physical world, I am struggling to live. So simply, the answer to what is wrong with you is that, that what God said, the curse that would come because of sin, is working. It's working. And David said, my soul, I'm sick of clinging to the dust. I want to rise up. And so, the purpose of our existence, we yearn for that. We, we seek it out. We want it. And so now it is the natural tendency of life for the soul to lie down within the physical form of its fleshy life that it's entombed in and struggle to live. So I've kind of beaten that all I can out of that. You generally get that idea. We'll move on from that rhetoric, but I just want you to see that sense of captivity. That's what's wrong with us, is that we are captives of our flesh. But you know what? Throughout both the Old and New Testament, whenever God speaks of our salvation, of, of saving us, of restoring us, have you ever noticed that all of God's descriptions of our deliverance and salvation always, in one way or another, refer to us being lifted up? God's answer is to lift you up. God's answer is to raise you up. The very act of salvation is considered a resurrection. We are resurrected to newness of life with Christ. Hallelujah. And so David's instinctive cry, I cleave to the dust, Lord revive me, is David's just internal cry for that sense that that separated soul has of being reunited. Lift me up. Revive me. So, lifting up, because I want to talk about being lifted up this morning. Lifting up refers to the triumph of our purpose over the slavery of existence. The, 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 the trouble with everybody is that we are living in our existence slavery to existence, rather than triumphing with an understanding of our purpose. I call it deliberate living. Living 
with a knowledge of God's purpose, deliberately. Hallelujah. Psalm chapter 3, one of my favorites, verses 2 and 3 says, Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him and God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Hallelujah. So God's answer to your captivity is to lift your head. When you're captive, God says what you need is to have your head lifted up. That's another thing every mother at one point or another has said to their kids. Would you get your head out of, well, get your head out of the dust. There we go. Hallelujah. But that's God's answer. You are the glory and the, what? Lifter of my head. All throughout Psalms, you'll hear David talking about lifting up. And Psalm 25, 1, unto you... O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Men, mankind throughout history has tried to lift himself up unto all kinds of things. But until man lifts up his soul to the Lord or learns to praise God, there is no getting up. There's only cleaving to the dust. And so David says in Psalm 42, 11, Why are you cast down? Oh, my soul. And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in the Lord, for I shall yet again praise him who is my salvation, my God, and the healer of the lifter up of my countenance. So here David associates being lifted up with praising God. He says, I found myself in this situation again. I'm depressed. You can hear him like Forrest Gump again. I'm cast down again. But David said, I will again praise him. See, praise needs to continually be in your mouth. Not in those few occasions where everything's lining up your way. All the planets have lined up. you got the rays. You're, you've uh, shaken that bug. Uh, everybody likes you now. Things are all working out for you. Who can't praise God? But, but David said, I again will praise you. One of the things that you'll learn about praise is praise, true praise, is never just triggered by conditions. It's triggered by your will. Take a look at the subject of praise throughout Psalms and you'll see constantly, I will praise the Lord. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will lift up my soul to the Lord. It is the act of your will that triggers true praise. So why are you cast down, O my soul? I will yet praise Him. Listen to the anecdote. Listen to the, the, the medicine. Listen to the remedy, the solution. Why? What is wrong with you? Why are you keep doing that? What's your problem? My problem is I'm not praising God. Why are people running? Why are kids running around shooting each other? Because they're not praising God. If you were praising God, you wouldn't be committing mass murder. If you were praising God, you wouldn't be running around thinking that you're something that you're not. 
What's wrong with people is they have the wrong ideas about themselves. They're identifying, if you will, with all kinds of craziness and foolishness. Whatever the devil trolls in front of them, I'm identifying as that. That's what I am identifying with. What is your problem? The problem is you're not praising God. Until we praise the Lord, we don't really know who we are. Until we praise God, and I'm talking about being a fool for Christ and actually getting up praising God. I'm not talking about you sitting in your devotional chair thinking, oh, God is awesome, rolling it around in your mind. Oh, Jesus is wonderful. I mean, it's great to meditate on the Word of God. We should be founding our thoughts upon the Lord. But have you ever noticed at some point all those strategic thoughts don't really do anything till you get up and do them? Until you get up and declare. And, you know, it's funny, but God's, God's tactic is to employ His strategies through praise rather than running around and trying to do it. Remember, that's what He told Jehoshaphat when they were in a strategic bind with those three nations that wanted to wipe out Israel, what did God say? You need to get the praisers involved. And he got the praise team out and said, you guys go in front of the soldiers. You're going to be a shield for those soldiers. And they marched out in the battle saying, praise ye the Lord. They, didn't, they weren't going out meditating. They were going out praising. Hallelujah. So you and I need to do that in our own life. Get out ahead of the army of your finances, or the army of your strength, or the army of your plans, and put praise out in front of all the things that you plan on doing, and go into every battle praising the Lord, lifting up praise. And you know what? God, you'll find out when you get to the battlefield, the Lord's already been, He's got there ahead of time. And uh, your problem has strangled itself to death. And all you need to do is just collect a paycheck, just pick up the spoil. Hallelujah. So David said, why are you cast down, O my soul? Well, I will yet praise him. Glory to God. People who don't praise God sail through life with their souls cast down. And if you want to, let's use sailing. Let's use boating. Let's use traveling through life. And let's use the analogy of a great ship. Your life is is a ship passing through the waters of life. You know me, I'm a romantic thinker. I love to think in rolling rhetorical terminologies and, and analogies and things. So let's, let's go with this one. People who don't praise God, you know what? They're sailing through life crammed down, their souls crammed, and I use that word specifically, down into the lower decks of their flesh, seeing only what the small portals of their physical senses allow them to see. Imagine being one of those poor immigrants coming over on some steam liner to America. Their minds filled with uh, anxiety and fear and wonder. And um, all that time crammed down into those lower decks. If they were fortunate enough to have a portal to look through, all they would see would be the waves going up and down. They could not see where they were going. They didn't know how far away from, uh, from, from Europe they were, how close to America they were, and all the time looking with limited vision. Or they might not have had any. They might have been way below deck. And some people live way deep down in their flesh. They never see anything except the surroundings of their own flesh. 
But you know what? <clears throat> that's for people that don't praise God, Christian or non-Christian. People that don't praise God, that's how you sail through life. But you know what? When you build your life around praising God, He lifts your soul from the misery of confinement to the lower decks of your flesh, cleaving to the dust, if you will, and He brings you up to the bridge where He's running things. He lifts you up to the conning tower. You're up there in a bridge where you've got 360 degree vision. You see the horizon. You see where you're going. And you're up there with Jesus. And he is laying out the coordinates. He is showing you where you're going. He's, you're navigating your life. Rather than going along wondering where life is carrying you, you're steering the boat. And the Lord's feeding you the coordinates. What a dramatic difference. Same boat, same life. It's you. But you are now in a place where you're in charge of where you're going. It's awesome. Hallelujah. Because when you're up on the bridge with Jesus, glory to God, all those anxieties of uncertainty, they fade away because you're navigating under the Lord's direction. And that's an awesome, awesome, wonderful feeling. Let me just say to you, access to the bridge is only by praising God. You can't get there by thinking about God. Nobody ever got saved thinking about Jesus. Coming to church, listening to sermons, it's not going to get you there. And let me tell you something about your mind. And I'm going to stand up for this. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something about your mind. Your mind can be a great asset and a help to you. But your mind is also going to be the worst enemy that you ever find because your mind is constantly lying and deceiving you, lying to you and deceiving you about how to get places in life. Now, God intended for your mind to process His Word so that when He speaks to you, you have a mind that can understand and apply it because He wants you to use your will, wants you to use your mind. But that mind, you have to understand, that's been separated from God and it likes to think independently. And so one of the worst things your mind will do to you is your mind will tell you that all you need to do is to think about something and you've kind of already done it. And so people constantly think, well, if I open my Bible and read it or if I think about God or within my own mind, if I decide I believe in Jesus then all of a sudden, all those awesome benefits that the Bible talks about, freedom, peace, joy, what it really means to be delivered, that's all going to come to me. But again, your mind is keeping you from acting. Your mind wants to think it's in control. God gave you a will, and that's far more powerful than your mind. When you combine your will and your mind now you've got the ability to actually get up to the bridge, to actually go somewhere. And you need to now go from thinking to opening your mouth and praising God. That's why David said, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. David just wasn't scribbling 150 little songs that he was thinking about. He was opening his mouth out there on the hills um, <coughs> as a young man shepherding those sheep, and then in later years as the Lord shepherd of his people, writing those songs out and singing them <coughs> to the Lord. So 
You've actually got to praise God, to open up your mouth. And I say this all the time, and so I want to say it to you again. Don't let your nature rule you. Don't sit there and say, I am the quiet type. It's okay. If you're the quiet type, that's fine. But all of us, at some point, need to rise above our proclivities, our nature, and we need to do what the Word says. Submit, subject your nature to the Word of God. You see, just thinking in your mind that Jesus is Lord doesn't make Him Lord over your life until you do what the Word says. It's in doing the praise of God, not agreeing with the praise of God. You can come into a church service and feel the presence of God as people are praising. But if you yourself are not involved in that praising, you can go, I love going to church because I feel this feeling. People are praising God. I just, mm, I feel so good. But you know, when you leave, it stays. You, you leave it behind. It doesn't go with you because you didn't do any of that praising. You just got the buzz off of what others were doing. Do you understand? That's like secondhand smoke. All right, so praise the Lord. Use your own will. Use your own will to praise God rather than using circumstances. If you sit around waiting for circumstances and only praising God when the circumstances line up, you're never going to get out of the bottom of the boat. Your soul will continue to cleave to the dust. You can be a Christian, but you're still going to be dust-bound, earth-bound, and really not know the joy of being an overcomer. And the Lord has called you to, to live up in that bridge, hallelujah, and to see what He sees. Glory to God for yourself. The only way out of there, up to there, is praising God. Because when you praise God, you are grabbing, taking hold of, and aligning yourself with what God created you to do and be. God did not create man to sit around and think how wonderful God was. He created us to fellowship with Him, and He gave you a mouth for a reason. And that mouth, those eyes, those physical senses, and especially your tongue, was given to you to proclaim the glories of God. Because when you proclaim the glories of God, something awesome and wonderful happens. What happens when you praise the Lord is that you give to God that glory, that praise, as you declare His characteristics and glory uh, um, and, and those attributes, because He made you in His image and likeness, created you as a reflection of His glory, He reflects back onto you everything that you praise Him for. Whatever you're praising God about, He shares that glory with you. When you praise Him as the Lord, your peace, guess what? Get ready for some peace to rise up in your life. When you praise Him for His goodness, get ready for some goodness to rise up in your life. You know, if you happen to be a negative person, begin to praise God for the victories and the faithfulness of His Word and so forth, and get ready to say goodbye to that negativity. 
All of a sudden, a new positive personality will begin to arise in you. Where is it coming from? You see, as long as you stay up on the bridge, giving God praise daily, opening your mouth and worshiping and praising Him, you are up there where He is, and He is reflecting that glory on you. You stop praising God, back down to the hold for you. You know, and when you get, you know, I don't want to hear any lip from the back seat. You know what I'm saying? You're back there. It's like, shut up. You're back in the back seat because you put yourself back there. The Lord wants you up in the front seat with him. He wants to point out where you're going and talk to you about it, reflect that glory. But you see, how can you be connected to God if you're not going to praise him? You know, this is the trouble with worldly-minded, worldly-thinking people. They think they ought to have the right to be connected with God without fulfilling the very function that they were created for. They want to be, they want His benefits, they want to see and understand His ways, but they don't want to give Him praise or credit for any of it. You were not, desi- you were not designed to analyze God, you were designed to praise God. Hallelujah. I'm even going to get up and say that again. You were not analyzed to, desi- to uh, you were not designed to analyze God. You were designed to praise Him. When I was young, I had somebody say to me, "Where did you learn all this stuff?" I learned it praising God, singing all those scripture songs and worshiping and praising Him. Because the more I praised God, the more I saw what I was singing, what I was saying. I understood because I praised Him. Praise lifted me into the presence of God. I don't understand these things because I figured them out. I understand them because as I read, I begin to praise and thank God for those things. And as I praise Him, He lifts me into that presence, and he, sh- he makes me one with the glory that I'm praising. He makes me one with the quality and the characteristics that I'm thanking Him for. Our Father is so loving and so awesome that He, he is not sitting there like a dried up old uh, giant sponge saying, I need some praise. I need someone to praise me. He's not asking you to praise Him because He has a dried out ego that needs to be watered by our praises. He's asking us to praise Him because He loves you and knows that as you praise Him, you will become aware of who you are and what He designed you for. The very love you thank Him for and praise Him for begins to, pers- uh, begins to precipitate down into your spirit as you praise Him. That bond, that oneness, and this is what people who don't praise God never understand about Him. If you want to, if you really want to know what He's all about, the, David had the right idea. He said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Praising God is tasting. Yes. Hallelujah. Can you say Amen. amen. When you use your own will rather than circumstances to praise God, it will cause you to arise. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Darkness will cover the earth, and intense darkness the people. 
But the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you. So when you praise God deliberately with your will, it makes you to arise. And then the very praise that you give God reflects back on you and makes you shine with the glory of His character. The world needs more praisers of God because they are in darkness. And where are they going to see the light? You flick on the television set and it's just, uh, if it wasn't so pathetic, it would be hilarious, the foolishness of man running around and trying to figure out. I've come to almost loathe the world, the word dialogue. It is so overused today. Everybody And whether it's the news networks or the commentaries or social media, everybody's talking about, we need to dialogue about this. We need to talk about this. 6,000 years of dialoguing has not improved a single thing. It's just talk. It's just senseless, endless babble, talking over and over. The Bible says, taste. Stop talking. Taste. You need to praise Him. You need to magnify the Lord. Praise Him. And because the fact of the matter is that uh, the world is in darkness and the Bible says, arise, you arise. How do you do that? You praise God, praise me, and you will arise. And then when you rise up into my presence, you will reflect my glory. And then those in darkness will see the light. You really want to know the key to evangelism? Take the opportunity to praise God every time it presents itself. Make the opportunity to praise God every time you need to. Praise the Lord and let His praise continually be in your mouth because you'll begin to shine. Everywhere you go, people in darkness will begin to see the light of His characteristic in you. The best way to get love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, the Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit, is to begin to praise God for those qualities. Praise Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you are the love, the joy, the peace in me. I worship you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you for that you are the Prince of Peace. Get ready for peace to become a new characteristic and quality in your life. As you praise him for those things, Lord said, he will radiate and reflect those things through you. The exiled Jews under the Old Covenant lamented in Psalm 137, verse 2 through 4. They said, how can we sing the song of the Lord? In a strange land. They had been carried captive away to Babylon. And they said, On the trees or the willows of Babylon, we hung up our harps because there our captors demanded that we sing one of those happy praise songs of Jerusalem. But how can we sing the song of the Lord in a strange land? The problem with those Jews in the Old Testament was that their revelation of the power and the authority of praise was tied to special circumstances. Unless we are in Jerusalem, we can't praise God because that's the official place of praising God. Some people never praise God until they're in church and other people around them are praising God and then they'll kind of, kind of slip in behind everybody else and praise the Lord a little bit. So the fact is that we, we need to realize that God has given us a new, a better covenant. In Jesus Christ, hallelujah, you have that wonderful, awesome access to the kingdom of God wherever you go. It's in you. Glory to God. And in Colossians 1.27, it says it's Christ in you, 
the hope of glory or the hope of praise. The hope of a powerful praise that can lift people up, glory to God, to the bridge with Jesus, is in you wherever you go. Paul and Silas found that in the Philippian jail at midnight. So you don't need to be in the sanctuary of the church. You don't need special conditions. The special condition is in you. You just begin to activate it as you give God praise. Just begin to praise Him and lift Him up. You carry the power of the kingdom of God wherever you go. So though darkness is upon the land and gross darkness is upon the people, all that needs to happen for them to see the light is for you to arise and to shine and His glory will be seen upon you. Hallelujah. It's kind, of a, a, it's kind of a way of tying the whole concept of being an ambassador for Christ, being a witness for Christ, to being a praiser. You can go to Bible school, Jesse. You can come out of Bible school having graduated. You know You've been to Bible college. You can graduate. But the world is not going to come to the brightness of your rising until you begin to praise the Lord. People that are praisers of God attract with the light that is in them. And so let me just simply end this message this morning. Have you close your Bible and stand with me. Or you stand while I sit. And um, say to you, in closing, arise, shine, for your light has come. You don't have to wait for a circumstance. Arise and shine. Your light, Jesus, has already come into the world. He is the light of the world, and then He sent you out saying, You're the light. Be the light. Hallelujah. And shine. And the glory of the Lord will be risen upon you.